As you're being seated, if you'll locate your Bible and open it up with me to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we're in this series that we've called Above the Line, and in this series, what we've been talking about is what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And so we have given you this illustration that you'll see on the screen and that I keep referring to to help you wrap your mind around what does a disciple look like? So here you are in the middle, and you are desiring to follow Jesus and be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And so we've talked about the line, series title, Above the Line. This is what we're talking about in that title. Now, the line represents the dividing point, the dividing point between those things which are heavenly and those things which are earthly, the dividing point between the spiritual world and the physical world, between those things that are eternal and those things that are temporary. As Christians, we realize that we live in the real world. We live in a world where things are temporary and there is death and there is difficulty. Yet we also live between two worlds. We also live in the spiritual world as well. And so what we have encouraged you is to go above the line and become a worshiper. Now, worship involves a lot of different things. It involves you becoming a believer in Jesus Christ and repenting of sin and bowing the knee, trusting in Christ as Savior and Lord. It involves prayer and aligning your life with God through prayer. It involves what we're doing right here, gathering for worship. Worship ultimately, though, desires to bring all things in our lives into alignment with God so that everything that I do, everything that I am, my attitude, the words that I speak, they all seek one common goal, and that is to bring glory to God. I'm a worshiper, and I go above the line, and I worship the Lord. We also talked, and last week we looked at it more in-depthly, about growing. We want you growing up in the Word of God. We want you growing together in your relationships so that we are close to one another as a church. And then we want you growing out so that what God is doing in your life uh, is overflowing the boundaries of you. Now, this is a very important thing here because this helps us establish what we call a world view. How do you see the world and specifically this subject right here? truth. How do you understand right and wrong? How do you understand truth? And do you believe in such a thing as transcendent truth? Truth that goes beyond your opinion, truth that is true for all people at all times, in all situations, because it is moral, it is godly, it is truth that comes from above. And so as a disciple, you need to go above the line in worship to God you need to have an understanding of God's Word that allows you to see life through the lens of Scripture. And then that leads us to two things that we do as disciples here on earth. Uh, we serve and we live. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like to be gifted for service today. And next week we're going to talk about what it looks like when God's people are living out authentic, genuine Christianity. Now, here's one of the dividing line questions that takes place within our culture. The question is this, does above the line 
even exist? Does it even exist or is all that there is, the here and now, the temporal, those things which are below the line? The Pew Research Group a couple of years ago uh, did a project where they began researching Christianity and faith in America, and they found that 70.6% of people in the United States believe in God. Within the United States, about 25% of the people are what we call evangelical, meaning that they understand the gospel in a way that is similar to what we preach and teach here at the church. There's about 22.8% of the population that would be referred to as secular. They essentially do not believe that the above the line exists whatsoever, that the only thing worthy of our attention and worthy of our efforts are those things that are below the line. And within that 22%, about 7.1% of the U.S. population could be classified as either atheistic or agnostic. So in reality, most of the nation believes that there is such a thing as above the line, that God does exist, but there is about 22%, one in five that believe that all that there is is a secular world. And they are loud. I'm talking about four kids in the car on the way to grandma's house loud, okay? They are loud. And that secular mindset dominates media, it dominates our movies, our music, uh, it dominates academia, and they essentially say there's no such thing as the the above-the-line world, the spiritual world, all you have is the here and now. Philosophically, though, if you begin to think about that, it has some major problems because they say your life was not created. Your life was not designed, that ultimately you are just a scientific result of your mama and daddy's connection. And they came together, and I won't explain it now, but then you came about. And all you are is simply a natural result. And because of that, there is no transcendent truth. There is no God beyond it all. You do not need to look above, but instead what you have to do is you have to look within because you are kind of an individual God to yourself. And so you look within and you find truth and you find truth for you. And if you will be yourself, if you will love yourself, if you will surround yourself with people that help you be yourself and love you and make you the best possible person that you can possibly be, then you'll find the life of your dreams. Now, there's a problem in this whole thing. It's kind of the dark cloud that goes over the temporary mindset, and that is that we're all dying. And so everything that you live for and everything that you build your life upon, it's ultimately all temporal. And the other big problem with it is that if you are a God to yourself and everything is supposed to be driven from within, then it leads to a very selfish mindset of life and a selfish mindset of love as well. But yet it is subtle and very, very real that we all face an onslaught. You, I, or me, our children, our grandchildren, 
we are bombarded with a selfish, shallow, secular, and ultimately depressing view of life. I think it's one of the main reasons why we have more stuff than we've ever had before, and yet more people are miserable than ever before. Now, the Christian, though, says no. No, I don't have time for this nonsense. There is such a thing as above the line, and we do need to look above the line. And so as Christians, we believe that we were created by God and that we were created by God for a purpose, that God created us with a distinct place of honor within the creative order, that we were created in His image, that human life has value, that there is such a thing as family and and that sexuality is an illustration of marriage and that marriage is God's idea and that life has value and meaning and intentionality behind it, that there is a creator. As Christians, we reject sin. We reject the idea that I'm God. We reject selfishness as the prime motivator of life. We trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior. We bow the knee to Him and we align our lives as worshipers with the will of God and we pray as Christ prayed, Father, may Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Christians, we believe that above the line, there is such a thing as transcendent truth that God has established for you and for me that is just truth that comes from above and it pierces through, it cuts through every area of life. And when we're trying to make decisions of morality and ethics, we go to the Word of God and we have a worldview that is focused through the lens of Scripture. And so today... I want to help you understand that God has gifted you to serve. That the God from above has gifted you so that your life is a part of service here on earth. Now this hour, we are enjoying people who use their gifts to honor God and serve. I'm thankful for our band, for our vocalists who led us in worship. What are they doing? They are using the gift of music. They are sharing their art so that we too might be blessed and that we might be drawn together for service. Right now in this room, there are a group of guys and gals up there in the tech booth and they have a thankless job. Nobody ever notices them unless something goes wrong. But they are up there and they are serving And they are using their gifts. Now, they're usually quite a bit different than musicians. You know, the techie guys, they can argue for an hour about whether Star Trek is better than Star Wars. They're a little bit more wired in an engineer sort of way. But they're taking the gifts that God has given them, and they're using their gifts in a way that serves the body. As we gather in here, There are teachers that are helping take care of our children. Right now in the preschool area, there are preschool workers that that are gifted to teach children about the Lord and about His love, and they are nurturing the children, and I'm so thankful for them. If they weren't doing that, using their gifts, it would be louder in here. It would be rowdier in here. 
It would smell bad. You getting me? In here. Okay? So I'm thankful for people that come in all different shapes, sizes, ages, you know, all different forms of gifts that use their gifts in service to God. I'm thankful for how you use your gifts in service to God. And if you're not yet at that point, I pray that today and in the days ahead, you'll begin to ask that question, how has God gifted me and how can I use my gifts in service to Him, in service to my community and to my church? God has given every believer a gift to be used in worship to Him. And there's nothing more enjoyable than feeling God's pleasure when you use your gift to serve him with. So let's dive into the passage today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity and he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, I read that passage, and you're probably scratching your head a little bit and going, what on earth does that mean? We have all this ascending and descending and giving gifts, and exactly what, what, what does that mean? Well, let me, let me share with you four things that we see here. Number, number one, in verse 7, we see that grace has been given to each of us. Grace is not something that you work for. It's not something that you deserve. Grace is an undeserved gift. The greatest gift of grace that God can give us is Jesus himself and the salvation that comes through Jesus. But grace continues in our life as God blesses us with gifts that are undeserved. And these gifts that God has given us are gifts of grace. You don't earn them. They're given to you. Number two, the passage teaches us that we received grace according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. We received grace according to the measure of the Messiah, that would be Jesus, His gift. So realize this, when Jesus decides to give you a gift, He doesn't go to the mall, put on a big white beard, and sit in a big chair, and have you come sit on His knee and say, now tell me, what gifts do you want? Jesus gives you gifts according to his measure. Jesus gifted you uniquely according to his pleasure. And so there are certain things about how you are wired, how you are gifted, that are gifts from God. He knit you together in your mother's womb with intentionality. Verses 8 and 9 uh, talks about how Jesus has the right to choose what gifts to give you because He's the one who saved you. He's the one who came and did what you could not do. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that conquered death and hell and the grave. And so we have a military picture in these passages where, where the conquering king who took on the armies of evil and he has won, he is now giving gifts to his loyal followers, to his people. And so Jesus, the one who has conquered evil through his resurrection, now disperses gifts according to his measure to his people. Verse 10, the one who descended, ascended, that he might, now zero in on this, if you have a highlighter, if you're a note taker, 
underline it, that he might fill all things. What this means is that the God who is above the line is sovereign over all. He fills all things. There are even aspects to our story that don't make sense. There are areas in our life where we're like, God, I wish you would show me why. Yet the Savior fills all things. All things work together for good to them who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Why? Because the Savior that is above the line fills all things. Your Lord has given you gifts. And those gifts are to be used in service to Him. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. There are things that you can do for God. There are things that you can give to God. God does not give us gifts so that we can be hoarders of His blessings. God gives us blessings so that we can be a blessing. And so that might be a talent. It might be your financial resources. It might be your experience. Whatever it is that God has given you, God blesses you so that you can be a blessing. Look at verse 11. And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So Jesus personally gave these gifts to some. And he mentions here five gifts. And in other passages of the New Testament, there are more gifts mentioned. But here we see that some were gifted with the gift of apostleship. These were the commissioned ones, the ones that had been up close and personal to Jesus. And they would become the foundation layers for the early church. And they would spread Christianity there in the first century. Some were given the gift of being a prophet. And these were the ones that called God's people and said, Hey, look, God is working over here. You need to move from where you are to where God is. And you need to get with it and follow God. There were some that were called to be evangelists. These are people that have a great gift for missions, and they can go cross-cultural with the gospel, and they are able to help establish new preaching points and new churches, and they're able to help do the work of an evangelist and sharing the gospel. And there are some that have been given the gift of pastoring, and you care about people, and you're able to nurture the flock and, and help the church walk through difficulty. And there are some that have been given the gift of teaching, and you're gifted in disciple-making, and you help people mature in the faith and you have an ability to open the word of God and to teach it and to explain it in such a way that people understand it and Paul says all of these are gifts that God has given to the church so that the church might grow and mature let this sink in God has gifted everyone in the room and he has gifted you in such a way that you can serve it's a beautiful thing we are all gifted. We are all different. We come from different backgrounds, different personality types, different perspectives, different spiritual gifts. We are all different, but we are united by one Savior, gifted by that Savior who brings all things together. He fills all things for His glory. There is a reason God made you and gifted you the way that He did. You say, well, I wish God would tell me. 
I don't know why I am the way I am. Well, look at verse 12. For the training of the saints in the work of ministry. God gifted you for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in faith. So the body of Christ is seen, uh, all of us as individuals are seen as the body of Christ and these different gifts come together to make a body that works in unity. How many of you woke up this morning with some type of ache or pain? Okay, wow. You guys are in more pain than the 830 service. And y'all are like 20 years younger, okay? But anyway, uh, we all wake up with some type of ache or pain. And you have something going on in your body over here. And, and man, it, it affects the entire body because your toe's hurting or, or your, your neck's hurting. And it's difficult to stay awake and listen to the sermon because my neck's hurting. You know, these kind of things. But one pain starts hurting the whole body. Well, when their body comes together and starts using our gifts in such a way, we, ha- we have unity because we, be- we become the expression of Jesus Christ here on earth. And we bring our different perspectives and we bring our different gifts and we bring our different experiences together so that we can serve the Lord, train one another towards ministry, build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in faith and knowledge of God's Son And then growing into a mature man with stature measured by Christ's fullness. That's the ultimate goal. Is that we will grow into mature Christians that have a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Now we haven't done this in a while. We need to do this periodically. Look at the person sitting next to you, okay? And and repeat after me. I am so glad that I am not you. Okay, now continue looking at them. Okay, one, one more thing for you to say here. Okay, but I need you. Okay, I am glad that I'm not you. You are a different person than I am, but I need you. God does not call you to selfishness, God does not call you to immaturity, God does not call you to Christian consumerism. Christianity is not a trip to the Golden Corral buffet where you just take in and eat and eat and eat until you can eat no more. Christianity is designed for you to be involved. You are to be serving. You are to bring your gifts. You are to bring your experiences. You are a vital part of this body. And if you want to grow, if you want to mature, then a couple things have to happen. Number one, we all have to be working together. We can't just be sitting here waiting for somebody else to do it. We all have to be using our gifts together. And number two, you've got to get in the game. You've got to start serving. People say, well, pastor, I just want to grow. I just need to grow. I just don't feel like I'm growing right now. What are you doing? What are you doing? You see, growing in Christ is not just about going above the line and worshiping and growing and knowing every aspect of the Bible. Growing in Christ also involves you serving, and that serving leads to you living a life that is different. Christ calls you to grow into a mature person with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Now, don't miss this the line, measured by Christ's fullness, because remember, in the early part of the section, Christ gave us gifts according to His measure. Later on in the passage, we see that Jesus is the one who fills 
all things. A lot of you have never seen your life as a gift from God. You've never seen your personality, your background, your heritage, your ethnicity, your gender, your family as a gift from God. And here's one of the results that you're facing with today. You don't like your life. Because you've never seen it as a gift from Almighty God. But please realize God made you for a purpose. He knit you together. You are not just a biological reaction. You are not an accident. You are a vital part of the story of God. You're a vital part of the body. Your life has purpose. Your story is a part of His story. Your life is a gift and you are a custom design of Almighty God, and He has given you this wonderful gift of life to be used and to be shared. Love is not just about what you receive. The secret to receiving love is to give love. A lot in this room have been hurt. People have hurt you, and if you were really honest, you have hurt some other people as well. And I, I don't want to in any way have you think that, that there is no such thing as evil, that, that evil is just an illusion. That's not Christianity, that's actually Hindu thought. There is such a thing as evil, and people do things that are vile, and they do things that are wrong, and those things hurt. And some of us in this room have been hurt, and perhaps you've even grown angry, or you've grown cynical. Maybe you've even pushed away from God But I hope that you can understand this, that the one who has given us gifts according to his measure also fills all things. And so those aspects of your story that you don't like, those aspects of your story that hurt, our Lord fills all things. He fills in the gaps of our imperfections. He extends to us grace when we don't deserve it. So even The greatest hurts of life can become a gift that God can use for His pleasure. And so, those who have gone through the greatest pains of life, and you've gone through those difficulties, and you've gone through those hurts, and you've kept on going, those who have gone through the greatest pains of life, you possess great strength. You have a strength that you would not have if you hadn't gone through the difficulty. And your strength becomes a gift. Your strength becomes a gift that you can share with others who are in the midst of pain. Your strength becomes a perspective that needs to be seen, needs to be heard. Your strength becomes part of of your story, which is actually a part of His story, which God is filling in all things for His glory. And He is going to use your life, the good times and the bad times, and He's going to use your personality, and He's going to use your gifts in ways that help others mature in the faith and help others persevere towards faith and move away from selfishness. All of us want to love. All of us want to be loved. And we want to live life with people that we love. The secret to receiving love is to give love. 
I don't have any magical formula today that says, here's exactly what you need to do and here's how you need to serve. But I am going to say this, you were gifted for service. And so I implore you, I challenge you to begin taking inventory of your life and ask yourself this question, how has God blessed me? How has God gifted me? How has God wired me? And how can I use the blessings that God has given me to serve Him? How can I use it to serve His church? How can I use it to serve my community? How can I use my life in ways that overflow the boundaries of me so that I can look at my life and I can say, hey, I am serving God and I'm doing this because it's eternal. I'm doing this because it matters. And if you ever want to get to the L, if you ever want to get to that life that has true joy, that life where there's a genuine laughter upon your lips, that life where faith has replaced anxiety, that life where you have a hope that goes beyond simply a a better raise at work or a better tomorrow, but a hope that lasts forever. If you ever want to truly have genuine, loving relationships, you've got to learn to serve. You can't be selfish. You can't be a gift hoarder. You have to learn to be a gift giver and realize that all things are from Him, through Him, and to Him. God's wired you. You've probably heard, our generation has heard since we were a little bitty, you're special. Well, you're not special just so that you can be a better you. You're special so that you can make much of God. He's wired you in such a way to be a unique, gifted part of the body. You're gifted for service. So serve. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads, please, as we come to a time of commitment? The band's going to come. They'll lead us in worship. We'll come to a season of giving, a time of singing. I'm here at the front. If at any time during the upcoming parts of the service I can pray with you, encourage you, you can come forward and see me. Perhaps today needs to be the day where you become a Christian. I'll be here during the service. I'll be here after the service as well. It's always my joy to be a pastor to people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you've wired us and knit us together. We thank you that life is not an accident. We thank you, Father, that you fill all things. And Lord, we pray that we might use our lives in such a way that our today touches eternity. We pray, Father, that we won't be stuck below the line thinking that this is all that there is. But may we go above the line and have perspective to live below the line. Help us, Father, to be fully devoted. Not just individuals that do God for an hour a week on Sunday. But to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So that you are seen in every area. And I pray also, Lord, that you'll help us to like our lives. To help us realize how blessed we are. To help us realize that there is an abundance of opportunity. That there are no insignificant roles within your kingdom. That we are part of the body. And the body works together. For the glory and story of God. It's in his name we pray. Amen.